Good morning, all. Great to see you. I'm Greg Paris. Welcome to Union Chapel today. I'm so glad you're here. And as Pastor Nate was saying, this is the kickoff to a very exciting series entitled Living on Purpose. You ever wonder why you're here? Why you were born? What God has created you to be? And that's what we're going to be talking about these next six weeks. I hope it'll be life-changing, transformative. Let me just say that most of the benefit from this series that we'll be on will come in the context of our small groups. So if you haven't gotten involved or signed up for a small group for this series, I hope you'll do that. You can do that on your way out today. We will help you connect in a group. As I say, about 70% of the stuff we'll be doing and the benefits derived will be in the context of those groups. So I hope you'll, uh, you'll plug in. And maybe you don't want to sign up. Maybe you just want to be a group. Well, if you're one, if you can find one other person, you know, the Bible says where two or more are gathered, there God shows up with you. So you can have a group. Just start your own group and pick up the materials and go through it together. I hope it'll be meaningful to you. Chosen as our text today from the New Testament book of Romans, chapter 8, and I'm going to read for us verses 26 to 30. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the church at Rome, and I hope that we can uh, glean much inspiration from these words. So if you have your Bibles, turn there. If not, we'll project these words on the screen, and I'll invite you to stand as you're able to honor God's Word. Romans chapter 8, verse 26. In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. There's that word again. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. Now, may God inspire us today through these important words. Thanks a lot. You may be seated. We know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. When you hear the word called in the next uh, six weeks, uh, identify that calling as your purpose, as your meaning for life, as your destiny in life. So when you hear the word called, it, it encapsulates the whole notion of purpose. In fact, when the Bible says that you are called, it's actually a Greek word that means uh, your, your purpose, your meaning, your destiny, your significance. And so today we hear this word that God causes all the things in our lives to work together for good to those who are called according to his purposes. And that's the great promise. Now, if I just ask you, did you get the call? Did you receive a call? Did you, did you uh, answer the call? Some of you might immediately think of your phone because phones are so central to our lives right now. I want to make a confession to you as your pastor here today. Um, this is a bit of a confession. I do not like phones. I don't like cell phones. I don't like telephones. I don't like any kind of phone. Um, a phone call to me usually represents two things. The first thing it represents is an interruption. I'm usually doing something that is more interesting to me, more, more fruitful for me when the phone rings. If I wanted to talk on the phone, I would have been talking on the phone already. 
So when the phone rings, it's an interruption. The second thing uh, for me is in my line of work, you can understand that, especially in off hours when the phone rings, it's usually bad news. And so phone calls I don't care much for. But if it's Jesus on the line and he's calling, you want to answer that. You want to answer that call because he may have something very, very important for you. So the word call from the Greek in the New Testament is the word kaleo. It's, uh, it's, it's interpreted call. It means assignment or purpose or mission in life. And the Bible is full of God calling his people, beginning with Noah and Abraham and Moses and down to the prophets and others, Nehemiah and Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel and Daniel, Hosea. These are the stories of God's call on these men and women's lives that have changed the world. And into the New Testament, God called, for example, Peter, Paul, and Mary. <laughs> if you are laughing right now, it means you are exceptionally old. If you didn't get that little subtle joke that was just in Peter, Paul, and Mary, ask someone with gray hair or no hair after the service, and they will explain it to you. Yeah. So we're going to do together, and in our small groups these next six weeks, we're going to talk about the five specific dimensions of God's call on every one of our lives. And today I want to just look at eight important features, generalities about your call, because we are all called God's call on your life, the reason why you exist, so that you can lay a good foundation to receive these other important dimensions of calling. Now, the first one is on your outline. It's this. My calling is a gift from God. Write that down. It's a gift. It really is. You didn't earn it. You don't deserve it. You didn't work for it. You didn't bargain for it. You didn't barter for it. It's just a flat-out gift of God's grace, and it's presented to me. He, he, he called me by his grace. In fact, Galatians 1 says, God, by his grace through Christ, has called you to become his people. Now, let me just remind you that grace is God's undeserved kindness. Grace is unmerited favor. The grace of God is giving us what we need rather than what we deserve. How many of you are happy that we get what we need from God and not what we deserve from God? I'm really, really happy about that. That means that God knows every dumb mistake that you've ever made and every dumb mistake that you're going to make, and we all will. He knows all of that, and yet he still chose to create you and call you to his purposes. God knows all the things that you've done. Even when you were thumbing your nose at God and living in rebellion against God, and you've turned your back on God, God saw you even in those moments, and he loved you, he accepted you, he forgave you. He wants to call you into his family and into his purposes. 2 Timothy 1.9 says, He saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we've done, because of his own purpose and grace. So my calling is a gift from God. Now here's number two. I want you to write this down. I am called for God's purpose. I'm called for God's purpose. It's not my life. It's not my plan. It's not my dreams. My life is not my own. I've been, I have been created by God for his plan, his dream, his purpose in my life. Let me put this statement on the screen for you so maybe it'll make it more clear. You were made by God and you were made for God. Now before you just let that go very easily, let that soak in just for a minute. And let me drive this home. 
until you understand this truth, that you were made by God and for God, until you come to terms with that truth, until you do, life is never going to make sense for you. You're going, you're going to get bored, you're going to get frustrated, you're going to go through all kinds of difficulties in life, and you will never have the kind of perspective you need to make sense out of this world in which we live. Until you come to terms with this truth, that you're called for God's purposes and not your own purposes. See, you weren't created for you. You weren't created just to live a selfish little life, a self-centered life. It's all about me, me, me. No, no, not at all. You're created by God and for God. So it's his plan for your life, his dream, his purpose. Not your parents, not your boyfriend, your girlfriend, not your spouse, not your boss. None of those people. But for God's purpose. A good example of this is, uh, is the twins that were born of Isaac and, and Rebekah. Their names were Esau and Jacob. Now back in the day, the firstborn was the privileged one. This was the way the culture was set up. And so Esau was the firstborn of these twins. Jacob came right behind him. And, and over the course of time, you know, they favored Esau because he's the firstborn. So he gets all the attention. He gets all the accolades. When, when the parents uh, leave, the firstborn gets all the inheritance. I mean, that's the way it's sorted out. And, and they were glad Jacob was around. Glad you're here, Jacob, but, you know, you're second fiddle. But God didn't like the arrangement. And in, to honor the notion that this is about God's purpose and God's plan, he reversed the roles in this case. In fact, in Romans chapter 9, it says, Before the two boys were born, God told Rebekah, their mother, the older will serve the younger. Interesting, huh? Now, all of that to say that neither one of these guys, they hadn't done anything yet. They didn't deserve anything. They didn't merit any good status or position one way or the other. God said this so that the one chosen would be chosen because of God's own plan. It was his purpose. You are called. You are created. You are chosen. You are invited into God's family and into God's, into God's work because of God's desire and God's purpose, not your own. I uh, had a turning point in my own life. I, I was very fortunate because the things I'm going to be teaching you in the next six weeks are the things that I learned about my own life when I was between the ages of 16 and 18. This is when I processed God's call on my life and when I decided that my life no longer belongs to me. I, I get it. God has called me and I'm called by God and for God. And so my life is in his hands now. He's going to be the boss. He's going to be the ruler. He's going to be the Lord of my life. And so I began to follow Jesus. I just celebrated walking with God, following Jesus, uh, my 45th anniversary since the, the, the day that I said yes to Jesus. 45 years. And what I want to tell you is that life will never make sense to you until you come to terms with this important truth that we were made by God and for God and not for ourselves. When you come to terms with that truth, your perspective on life will change and life will begin to make sense. Listen, it's hard. Life is tough. I, I was just following a car this past week. Uh, the bumper sticker on this car said, where the heck, it didn't say heck, where the heck is the easy part? That's a great question, isn't it? Because life isn't easy. Life is difficult. Life is full of challenges. Life is full of confusion. Life is full of all kinds of confrontation. 
And so unless you get the right perspective on who you are and why you're here, it'll never make sense. You'll never sort it out. So I'm called for God's purposes. Let me uh, just remind you that after I came to terms with my own calling, I had all kinds of different jobs because I had to make a living. I had to support my family before I got into pastoral ministry. And, and so I had to maintain my calling and understand my calling was different from my job. And it is. For you, it's true. It's different than your job. My calling, my calling is different than being employed at Union Chapel. It's different than that. And it's right for you to get perspective on that as well. Let me put this statement on the screen for you. A career makes a living. A calling makes a life. A calling makes a life. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, it says, For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared for us in advance to do. The word workmanship, you are God's workmanship, that's actually a Greek word that is pronounced poema. And poema is the Greek word from which we get our English word poem. And so you are God's poem. You are God's work of art. You are God's craftsmanship. You are God's workmanship. You are God's masterpiece. One of the translations actually says, you are God's masterpiece. Now, when I say that, some of you push back. I know right now you're in your mind. You're going, look, dude, I'm, not, I'm no masterpiece. I know what I've done. I know where I've been. I know who I am. I, I am no masterpiece. In fact, some of you may even say, I'm, I'm a pretty much beat up piece of junk. But let me just remind you, you are not a piece of junk. Jesus did not die for junk. Can you hear that? He did not. You're not junk. God does not create junk. Jesus did not die for junk. The Holy Spirit does not live in junk. You are a masterpiece. You are the work of art that God has uniquely designed you for. But it will only show when you are fulfilling your calling. God's call in your life. So those good works that God calls us to is your contribution to the world. I have a call, and my good works fulfill one portion of it. You have a call. All of God's children has a call. And as we all embrace the call of God, doing the good works he calls us to, then all the good work gets done. And so we do it according to God's purpose. Now here's the third thing. It's on your outline. God chose my calling before I was born. Now let, get your mind around that. God chose your calling before you were born. Galatians 1.15, it pleased God in his kindness to choose me and call me even before I was born. What undeserved mercy. Jeremiah 1.5 says, before I shaped you in the womb, I knew all about you. Before you saw the light of day, I had holy plans for you. If I showed you a, a picture of Nick Vujicic, many of you would recognize him. Nick was born without any arms or legs. Nick's physical body is essentially a torso and a head. That's it. And a lot of people would look at Nick and say, well, a guy with no arms and no legs, what good can he do? I mean, really. But he's made probably a bigger contribution than you or me or all of us put together so far in his life because God has worked in his life to reveal to him why he made him the way he did 
and the unique calling that he's placed on Nick's life. And so Nick has literally gone around the world and he's ministered to tens of millions of people, mostly youth, but other adults as well, and told them that God has uniquely designed you for his purpose and his calling. And it's so inspiring. Isaiah 44, 2 says, I am your creator. You were in my care even before you were born. Now let me ask you, can Nick Wojcic say that? God is my creator, no arms and no legs. You were in my care even before you were born. Really? How much care was given to me? No arms, no legs. But when God says, I am your creator, it means that you're not an accident, that you're chosen, you're created, you're called. And many people in our world, maybe there's someone in this room today, and you live your life believing that you are an accident. Saying, I don't even know why I'm here. Why was I even born? But you are not an accident. People who believe they're an accident tend to live that way. And God doesn't want you to live as if to believe you're an accident. He wants you to believe you're a masterpiece. You're his workmanship. His poem, if you will. And he says, you were in my care, which means you were deeply loved even before you were born. That's an astonishing truth. Of course, this has an application. You realize then why abortion is wrong. The Bible teaches that that's a baby that God has already numbered the baby's days. So choose that, chose that baby to be born. And, and so what we have in our world is occasionally we have accidental parents. But there are no accidental children. Mm-mm. God chose to create and call you before you were even born. I am your creator. You were in my care even before you were born. So God chose my calling before I was born. Interesting, isn't it? He's had his hand on you long before there was a you. Now here's number four. It's on your outline. My sins and my mistakes don't change my call. I'm so glad for this one. I'm so glad for this. My sins and mistakes don't change my call. It doesn't matter how messed up your life has been. Whether you messed it up or somebody else messed it up, doesn't matter how screwy it got or how difficult it became, doesn't matter how many dumb decisions you've made in the past, God has not changed his call on your life. Let me remind you of the story of the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul, when we say St. Paul now, we, we have respect and admiration and honor even reverence. I mean, this is the guy that God used to write two-thirds of the New Testament. So we go, wow, the Apostle Paul, what an awesome guy. What an incredible influence in the world. But let me just remind you, the Apostle Paul, before he got into all of that lifestyle, he was Saul of Tarsus. The first Christian martyr was a man named Stephen. He was a devout man and full of the Holy Spirit. And they decided they were going to stone him for his witness for Jesus. And they took Stephen's garments and laid them at the feet of a man, Saul of Tarsus. The Apostle Paul was there at the stoning of the first Christian martyr, and he gave his hearty approval of it. Saul of Tarsus was a a religious terrorist. He went from house to house dragging people out out into the streets, Christian believers, throwing them into prison and putting some to death. He's a murderer. This is what he said about his life when he wrote Timothy in 1 Timothy 1. He said, by calling me into the, this service, Jesus has judged me trustworthy, 
even though I used to be a blasphemer and a persecutor and contemptuous. Mercy, however, was shown me because while I lacked faith, I acted in ignorance. So he's saying, look, before I met Jesus, I was ignorant of the truth. I was ignorant of God's ways. And so I, I did all kinds of horrible and evil things in that ignorance. Let me ask you a question. How many of you have done ignorant things in your life? Listen, congratulations. You're apostle material. This, this is good news for you. So you, you can't believe what I've done. That sets you up. I love that phrase. While I lacked faith, I acted in ignorance. Yeah. Amazing. Fact is that God never wastes, hear me now, never wastes anything he fits into, into our lives. Even, even the sin and the stupid decisions and the failures and the mistakes. God uses all that stuff. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. And let me just add this to you because some of you right now are thinking about this. The sins of other people against you don't change your calling. So it doesn't matter what you have done and it doesn't matter what others have done to you. None of that changes your calling. God's calling does not change. Some of you in this room today, you're bruised, you're battered, you're beat up by life. Maybe you've had someone who's been unfaithful to you. Someone walked out on you. Somebody betrayed you, rejected you. No doubt there are people in this room today who've been molested. Chances are there are persons in this room who have been raped. It's horrible, devastating, and I'm really sorry. But you know what? Here's the truth. All of those events in your life did not change one bit of your value and has not changed at all God's call on your life. You are still God's workmanship. You are God's masterpiece. You are created in Christ Jesus for good works. That's the truth. Now let that truth sink in. My sins and mistakes don't change the call of God. You say, well, Pastor Greg, come on. You're just talking now and you're trying to, you're trying to put you know, fresh paint on this mess. No, no, listen. God loves you and accepts you and prizes you and calls you into a holy calling, a holy purpose, a holy plan for your life. You say, look, God's plan for my life, if, if, uh, if God had a plan, like a plan A for my life, I long since missed that. I realize because of the circumstances of my life, I've had to choose plan B. I, I have to settle for plan B. Maybe there's a, like a second level plan that God could use in my life. Listen to me. Listen to your pastor. God doesn't have a plan B. He only has plan A. There's only plan A for you, not plan B. He only has one primary plan. And he's working all the circumstances in your life for his good and for, and for his purpose. Let me tell you the story of Chuck Colson. Some of you are old enough to remember Chuck Colson. He served in the Nixon White House when Richard Nixon was president of the United States, he was, uh, he was uh, among other things, quite paranoid of all of his political enemies. And Chuck Colson was his, uh, was his henchman, you know, his, uh, his goon, if you will. He carried out all of his dirty deeds for him. And God only knows what kind of horrible stuff they got involved in. 
But finally, they were uncovered because of a break-in at the Watergate uh, institution, and all this was uncovered. President Nixon was impeached and thrown out. He resigned from office. Chuck Colson and a few of his cohorts were all thrown into prison. And when Chuck Colson is in prison, Jesus finds him there. And Chuck Colson gives his life in service to Jesus Christ and begins to follow Jesus. And when Chuck Colson years later gets out of prison, he realizes that more and more people who are in prison need to hear the message of hope found in Jesus. And so he formed a ministry called Prison Fellowship. Chuck Colson has passed on. He's in heaven now. But Prison Fellowship is a ministry that exists now in 158 countries of the world. Tens of millions of people hear the hope of Jesus Christ incarcerated around the world because of the ministry of Prison Fellowship. Now think about this. Here's a guy who went from the presidency, the Oval Office, the highest level of power in the world, to prison and out again all in one lifetime. But here's what God said. Chuck Colson didn't get to some point in his life after all these horrible mistakes and go, well, I've, I've just got to settle for plan B. No, no. Plan A was always in force. So by the time his life was over, God had used his life in powerful ways to change the lives of millions of people. It's an inspiring story. And when you hear the story, you go, yeah, that is so great. God used Chuck Colson and transformed his life and used his life in powerful ways to influence others. But listen to me. Chuck Colson is not the exception. Chuck Colson is the rule. This is the plan of God. You say your life has been disqualified because of some kind of decision or behavior or sin against you. But I say to you, no, nothing has happened. No sin, no mistake of your own or anyone else can keep you from God's call on your life. Plan A is still in effect. God will use you to influence the world through the good works he calls you to. That's, that's just, that's good preaching. I don't know what you put in the offering today, but that was, you got your money's worth right there. Now here's number, <laughs> some of you feel bad right now, don't you? Jeez, I got more value than I actually put in. <laughs> I'll do better next time, I promise. Here's number five. My calling is permanent. Now, this is a further extension of what I just said a moment ago. And when I mean permanent, it means that nobody can take your calling away from you. No one can. The devil can't take it from you. You can't take it away from you. Other people can't take it. And God won't take it because he says he gives it to you permanently. Listen to Romans chapter 11, verse 29. It says, God's gifts and his calling are irrevocable. Hear that. Irrevocable. So if my calling is permanent, it means this. It means my job's not my calling. Can we go back to that for just a moment? Because your job changes. Anybody here ever change jobs? Anybody here ever lose a job? Everybody, anybody here ever been unemployed? Sure. Your job then is not your calling. Jobs change all the time. But calling never changes. Now let that be an eye-opener for some of you. So my calling is permanent. I have friends, you know, I have friends who, um, who drop out of ministry from time to time. And I have a couple of friends right now that I'm trying to encourage to get back into ministry. And you're not aware of this. You're not sensitive to this. You're not in the fraternity. But, um, but there's actually a bit of an epidemic of pastors kind of burning out and washing out of leadership in the local church in the United States right now. 
And the reason for that uh, is many, but, but in summary, it's hard. It's hard to be the pastor of a church, and it's hard to be the pastor of a local church in our culture today. And so, it, you know, it, it, it's hard. It stinks. Sometimes it sucks. And so that's part of the deal, part of the, part of the call. So I've been encouraging some of my friends that I know who've kind of dropped out uh, to drop back in. Because, you know, the call of God is irrevocable. And you should know that I've been tempted to quit many times. I've written a number of resignation letters. I just haven't turned them in. It's very therapeutic to write them. You know, and you can take this job. <laughs> it's just very therapeutic. Turn that country music song on. Listen to it. <laughs> You can take this job and I ain't working here no more. <laughs> Sometimes your job stinks. Sometimes the things God calls you to is hard. Uh-huh. Because that's the way it is. But the call of God, the gifts of God are given to you irrevocably. The things that God uses you to do, he'll continue to use you to do. That's the way he's wired you. And so be encouraged to stay the course. No one can take it from you. Now here's, a, here's number six. My calling is not only permanent, but my calling is connected, connected to others. My calling, my assignment from God in life, my purpose, my vision, my dream, God has for my life is always connected to other people. Look at this statement on the screen. Calling and community go together. You, you cannot enjoy your destiny on your own. You, you, you have to be connected to other people. I mean, the analogy that the Bible uses here is, is an obvious one. It's the parts of the body. I mean, our eyeballs, for example, it's a miracle, isn't it, that, that we can see the way God's creative design, an, anatomical design of our bodies. I mean, here's an eyeball. It collects light, you know, and it, it sends this image through the optic nerve into that part of our brain, and, you know, it flips it right side up and brings it into focus and gives it context. And we can see, it's, a, it's astonishing that we have this capacity. But if you, listen, if you take your eyeball out and set it on the table, all the magic is gone. Same way with your hearing. Being able to hear. What a miracle. But apart from the body. Oh, think about the human hand. When you look around the world, it becomes patently obvious that God has designed human beings unique in all of creation. I mean, the Bible teaches that we're made in the image and likeness of God. We're different from everything else created. God's placed eternity in our hearts, and he's given us imagination and creativity and all kinds of things. And then he's given us amazing capacity. We have these hands with these opposable thumbs, and it's remarkable the kind of creativity and the imagination and the art and the, and the construction and the, and the building and the details of the things that we can do with a human hand. It's, it's remarkable that you take your hand off and set it on a table. It has no power, no talent, no ability, no purpose. And it becomes obvious then there's the need for connectivity. Now, what does that mean? How do we get connected? What God calls us to in the life of the church is to be connected to other people who are on the journey, trusting God and living by faith and living according to his purpose. This is connectivity in the local church. 
And people always get cynical with pastors like me when, I, when we talk about these things because you say, well, your motives are mixed because, because you, you have, you have, a, you have a, a different set of interests when you're encouraging us to come to church. Of course you want people to come to church. Well, listen, I've got 40 years of doing this kind of ministry and I've got perspective and I can tell you right now that the people who stay connected, they're the ones who make it. And the people who choose to disconnect are the ones who don't. And so it's not optional. You cannot fulfill your call. You cannot fulfill the the purpose for your life. The reason God created you, you can't get there. You can't do it. You can't fulfill it if you're not connected. And connected in the context of the church. That's what God calls us to. That's why we talk about small groups all the time. That's why we encourage people to get in groups, whether it's face-to-face contact, an opportunity for a real-life transformation. My calling is connected. Here's number seven. God empowers what he calls me to do. This is so encouraging. When you commit yourself to God's calling, God commits his resources to help you do it. 2 Thessalonians 1 says, this is why we always pray for you, asking our God to help you live the kind of life he called you to live. We pray that with his power, God will help you do the things you want, perform the works that come from your faith. So in other words, you go in with God, submitting to his best plan and will and call for your life, and God throws in with you to empower, to resource, to supply. 1 Thessalonians 5, the one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. Isn't that encouraging? That's so great. Now let me review. My calling is a gift from God. I'm called for God's purpose, not my own. God chose my calling before I was born. My sins and mistakes don't change my calling. My calling is permanent. The devil can't take it away. Nobody else on earth can take it away. It's irrevocable. My calling is connected to others. I've got to be connected to the body or it doesn't work. And God will empower me to do what he calls me to do. Now, here's the last point, number eight. You want to write this down. There's a prize. There's a prize for living out my calling. Philippians 3.14, I press toward the goal to win the prize. I press toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I love that. What exalted language. Let me, just, uh, let me just state the obvious, what you suspected. Maybe you haven't heard it out loud, but let me just say it out loud. Life on earth is a test. This is a test. <laughs> it is a test of obedience. God put you on this earth to test whether or not you might be faithful. God would put before you in the course of your life many opportunities, many relationships, and he wants to test to see if you will be faithful to his call on your life. That's why 1 Thessalonians 12.2 says, live the kind of life that pleases God, who calls you to share in his own kingdom and his glory. And that's the prize, friends, to share in God's kingdom and his glory. So keep your eye on the prize. Keep your eye on the prize. When you're tempted to give up, give in, cash it in, keep your eye on the prize. There is glory that awaits and a great reward in God's kingdom. Well, we talked about that phone call early in this message. Let me ask you this. Will you answer the phone? Will you answer the call? Will you answer when God calls you to those unique and special opportunities he gives you? We need to think about these things in these next weeks, and I hope it will bring meaning 
and significance as you sort the purpose of your life. So let's pray about these things as we conclude. Dear God, thank you that you created us. We're not an accident. We've been in your care even before we were born. Thank you that you didn't create us to be alone and to be purposeless, but you called us with purpose and assignment for life. We're not here just to waste time and to indulge ourselves, but you called us on purpose, your plan, not ours. And thank you that that plan began from the moment of our birth. And even though we've made mistakes and we've sinned and we've done that a lot and people have hurt us, hasn't changed, hasn't changed our calling one bit. Thank you that it's permanent. And thank you for helping us realize that we can't fulfill our purpose disconnected. We need to be connected to others in your body, your family, who have the same spirit, the same calling. So I thank you, Lord, that you've promised to give us your power to do what you've asked us to do, that you won't ask us to do something that you won't enable and strengthen us to do. And finally, Lord, we want that prize. We will give the rest of our lives so that we might one day share in your kingdom and your glory forever. Now, friends, while we're still in a moment of prayer, let me just ask you this question. Have you ever personally invited Jesus Christ into your life? If it were just the two of us, you and me in this room right now, and I ask you that question, have you ever invited Jesus Christ into your life to be your Savior and your Lord? How would you answer that? And if you, said, if you would say no to that question, I would follow up with this. Would you like to? Wouldn't you like to? It'll be the most important step, the first step you take to try, try to make sense out of the life you're living. Knowing Jesus really matters, friends. He's everything. It's a simple prayer that God will hear. If your answer is yes, all you need to do is pray, Lord Jesus Christ, come into my life. I want to learn to love you, trust you, and serve you. I pray in your holy name. And everyone said, amen.